because he's not speaking to you, there's no way you're going to get there. So I just as a pastor, I oftentimes I see a lot of people trying a lot of things, you know, just hoping that one of them would work. And they'd kind of happen to get in the right place where they need to be in the Lord. It really doesn't work like that. You have to know what God is doing. And this scripture, uh, I need it in the, in the message Bible, please. When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. Could you put the message up there? If people can't see what God is doing, you have to know what God is doing. And when he was working on me personally, I knew what he was up to. He, he painted a portrait of my life and how it needed to be. And so I knew what he was up to. I knew the end result because he gave me a description. This scripture says if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves, always aimlessly going through life, trying this, trying that, and never, ever hitting the real mark. Anybody ever felt like they were at that place at one time? Well, we all were, were before we got saved, just stumbling through life, just hoping something would work, thinking we got it right, and, you know, years later you find out that, you know, we don't even know what we're doing. And so if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves, but when they attend to what is revealed. So something needs to be revealed because you can't attend to what God is doing until it's revealed. Once it's revealed, you can attend to it or you can contend for it and then you get most blessed. You get who wants to be most blessed. Well, we have to know what God is doing. Three years ago, I had a vision for uh, Costa Rica and I'm telling you, God gave me a glimpse of what's coming and then I don't know if I quit seeking him or I quit pressing in, but all of a sudden just nothing's going right. But the vision is still there, but nothing's going right. It's not unfolding. It's not adding up or happening like uh, I thought it would. And matter of fact, it kind of looks like a disaster. It looks like I don't know what I'm talking about. Y'all ever feel like that? But, and you know the saying that if you keep doing the same thing over and over uh, and you keep getting the same result, uh, it's insane to keep doing it. Well, that's true. But if, you, if God's called you to do something, it will feel insane if you keep doing it over and over, waiting for that result of God. But if he called you to do it, just keep doing it. Y'all understand? And sometimes your heart... You know, uh, hope is deferred because, and your heart gets sick because it's not turning out the way you thought. But you understand, we defer hope. God never does that. We lose sight. We lose hope in him. We get to looking at things and stuff and what he promised, but our eyes need to be stayed on him and we'll be in perfect peace. And so over the years, this Costa Rica thing wasn't going right. You know, the first time Susan and I went there, I just have to preface this message with Costa Rica so you can understand. The first time Susan and I went to Costa Rica, we just got in a car, got off the plane, got in a car, and just started traveling. We didn't know anybody, didn't know anything. It was like an adventure. I love that. 
next time we went, we went uh, to a wedding. And the third time we went, we almost didn't go. And uh, we were about to get on the plane in New Orleans. And Susan really started feeling bad to the point that I wasn't going to leave her in New Orleans. I wasn't getting on the plane. I wasn't going to go. And, of course, we had a team of 12, so, you know, we had plans. I said, Sue, I'm not going. And uh, right when it was time to get on the plane, she just said, let's go. And we had prayed. We had asked people to pray. And as soon as her foot hit that ramp going down to that plane, she started feeling good. And that was a good thing that we got on the plane. But the very good thing that happened is the doors opened up in the country in a way I thought they would never open up. So you understand we had to get on the plane and we had to get there. But then we realized I got in another hard spot. Uh, I was asked to do a meeting with 25 or 30 pastors and I'm thinking, what, 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 what do I have to say about Costa Rica? What do I know? How can I, I don't have a vision. I mean, I have a vision, but I, I have no details and who am I? And so I'm drinking my Costa Rican coffee looking at the Pacific Ocean and the Lord just starts to speak to me. And the Lord shows me all these bonfires along the coast of Costa Rica and they're isolated bonfires. And then the Lord shows me a storm brewing in the Pacific and it's coming towards the coast. And all of a sudden the winds, a type of the Holy Spirit, start moving the flames of those bonfires all across the whole uh, country of Costa Rica. And I'm thinking, Lord, this is, this is good. I got something. The Lord's speaking. And so when I, I took my vision of this church, which I think is the Father's vision, I think it's his heart, and I combined it with what I saw for that country, and I went ahead and I went preach and uh, taught at this pastor's conference, and then the power of God hit the place, and they were ignited. They understood what God was about to do. They understood my vision and they understood what God was about to do in Costa Rica. And so right after the service, um, a pastor, I don't know who he was, he came up to me and he said, I had that same exact vision in the house that you're staying in. Wow. That, that was, that brought confidence. You know, you, you have to do what God tells you to do before you really know it's what he wanted you to do because results begin to come. Anyway, the whole plan in Costa Rica, and you know, I'm finding this out now, that there's seven states in Costa Rica and one state is all along the coast and it's called the Gold Coast. It's beautiful. One state is all along the Pacific. The other six states are scattered through the country. And the whole purpose of the pastors there are to get the six states, all the pastors, the ministers in the six states, all the churches, and move them all to the one state on the coast. And let's just preach Jesus to everybody in the schools, in the colleges, in the communities, in the cities, in the churches. We're going to take all, everybody in these states and we're going to move them to the coast. I feel like I'm on to something now. <laughs> all the fires come into one area along the coast. And then the wind of God's going to blow it. This is what they want to do. Once we touch this whole state, we're going to just move across all of Costa Rica. 
I'm like, I'm in this thing. But you know why I'm in this thing? God put me in it. I couldn't have thought that up. God spoke to me. I felt like I had nothing. I felt like I had no plan and couldn't help any of these pastors. And all of a sudden, God speaks to me, and I'm on board as much as they are now. And it all came through prayer. It all came through seeking the Lord. And so the vision of this church is, is it has four compartments. We're going to be prayer conscious, and we're going to preach the gospel to everybody. And we're going to pastor this congregation. And we're going to prepare the committed. And we're going to plant the core. That's just the vision. And so we're starting off. It's not even July yet. And I couldn't wait. I said we're going to teach on prayer all of July. But I couldn't wait. Is it July yet? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. So we're going to start today. And I'm telling you, this is going to be a riveting message. It's going to shake you and help you. Because prayer is a privilege. And it's not hard. It's really not hard. One of the simplest things we could do to advance the kingdom of God is to just pray. And there's power in prayer. And that's where this, this, this prayer thing came. We always prayed, but something happened to me on this trip. And I got a realization of I need to hear from the Lord for us. You need to hear from the Lord for you and your family and your business. So this is what I want to do. I want to awaken us to the assignment of prayer that's on our life. That we can birth what needs to be birthed by the Spirit of God. And we can be bathed in what God's... We can bathe it in prayer and see it come to pass. Who's in? And so I want to do this. I want us to have an awakening and an awareness of a daily prayer consciousness. And this is not religion. It's going to be an attitude. It's going to be a lifestyle. It's not going to be hard. But we're always going to be thinking about prayer. And we're always going to be praying. Paul told the Colossians, I cease I don't stop praying for you. I don't cease uh, praying for you. <clears throat> and so it's going to take the spirit to do this, that we're all excited about prayer. And it's, it's hard. It, in the past, it's been hard to get excited about prayer because there's no glory in it until the results come. And not all the results come in our lifetime. You may get the rewards for your prayer when you get to heaven. But I know we will see results from the prayer that we're beginning in this church. So already on Wednesday, we're praying for two hours. I'll give a short teaching. If you can make it come from 11 to 1 o'clock. Uh, also, before every service, please put your prayer requests in that box. We are going to pray. So, and we're activating prayer in everything that we're doing. Every activity, whether it's children's church, toddler room, nursery, teen group, we're activating, mobilizing everybody to pray. Everybody's going to pray. We're mobilizing everybody to pray. And, and prayer intercession is not a gift for one person. I got a gift of intercession. No, we all have that. 
but some of us just need to be encouraged. Some of us just need to be uh, taught. And so I want to put the scripture up in uh, Luke. I really never saw this before. And, uh, but this is pretty cool, the way Jesus started his own ministry. It's Luke 3. What verse is that, so? Three twenty-one. Don't put up oh, there. It is. Hallelujah. After all the people were baptized. Jesus was baptizing as he was praying. Jesus was baptized as he was praying. Anybody ever saw that? You saw that before? I never saw it. Jesus was baptized, and as he was being baptized, he was praying. I'm sorry, I never saw it. I'm the only idiot in here, I guess. <laughs> Jesus was baptized as he was praying. I, I kind of thought the Father started it. I kind of thought the Father's word hit the Spirit, got with the Spirit, and all of a sudden things started to happen, and then it began. But it, his ministry all began with him praying. It all began. Everything, the miracles, the signs, the wonders, his ministry, it all started with him praying. So if the Son of God had to get started in prayer, how much more should we have to pray to get things started? And the Lord started showing me this. Now you know that Jesus was the will of God, right? He's the will of God in the flesh. But he had to pray every day to to walk out the will of God. I'm born again. And since I'm born again, I'm the will of God in the earth. Come on. <laughs> but I don't know everything I have to do. I have gifts. I have discernment. You know, God can speak to me, but I am the will of God. I am the living word of God. Jesus lives inside of me. But for me to fulfill the will of the Lord in my life every day, I have got to be in communion with the Father in the name of Jesus via the Holy Spirit. And the Bible said the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape. Y'all know what happened. But it all started in prayer. Let's look at uh, Genesis 3, verse 8. Can you put the King James, please? When they heard the voice of the Lord God. When they heard the voice of the Lord God. You know, when I was in 
Costa Rica, I was hearing the voice of the Lord God. That's what activated me. That's what stimulated me. That's what made me a part of what's about to happen. Me hearing the voice of God is what opened the door for me to begin to see what's going on. I heard the voice of God. Walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. So actually what's going on right here? There's a relationship. God's talking in the garden. Tell your neighbor, you need some garden time. <laughs> we need some garden time. They heard the voice of the Lord, God walking in the garden. So this implies God's walking in the garden. It's, that's what it's saying, God's walk. It's, it's talking about relationship. It, it's talking about communion. It's talking about uh, a pace. It's talking about a daily thing. It's talking, it's talking about seeking one another, talking to one another, fellowshipping with one another. Isn't that good? This is the simplest form of prayer. You know, whenever you go to Genesis and you find a truth, you'll find it throughout the whole Bible. And this is a truth. This is prayer in the infant stage. This is prayer in its purest form. The voice of God coming to man. That's so simple. It's all we need. And we all say we, we're hearing from God, but we're not. And I'm, 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 I was telling a pastor this yesterday. I'm very concerned about this country. We have more preachers in this country than any country in the world. We have more television shows, radio stations, more CDs, more ministries, more power ministry. We have more Christian rights than anybody on the planet Earth. And let me tell you, it's not working. It is not working. So we, something's off. Because I'll go to a third world country and they don't nearly have what we have. And they're under the tyrants of the country and they're hungry for the gospel. So I'm, I'm not condemning anybody, but we should be so much further advanced and I find all the Christians in America, everybody's fighting for just a chunk of Christianity. Would you buy my tape? Would you come to my ministry? Everybody just wants a part. And so it's more about what people are doing than what God is doing. And so I'm questioning. I'm questioning myself. Am I hearing from God? Now, I heard from God on that trip. And I've heard from God in the past. But we need to hear from the Lord on a more frequent basis. And if we don't seek him, we're not going to find him. And if we don't knock, you know, hungry, looking for the Lord, what, what do you say about this, Lord? What's your outlook? I find that we're mimicking 
a lot of people in a lot of ministries. I find we're saying a lot of things that a lot of other people are saying. But we need to hear from the Lord. Tell your neighbor, we need to hear from the Lord. The voice of the Lord in the garden. Now we know something went wrong here, right? We know something went wrong. But how many of y'all know God will come where you are? And that's what happened right here. Now let's just look at it as prayer from the beginning. Let's look at it as prayer in its infant purest form that you don't have to go where God is. He'll come where you are. If you just start talking, if you just start pursuing him, if you just start seeking him, he will come to you. I know that. I know that. Isn't that good? This is going to be the simplest message you ever heard. And listen, it's in the cool of the day. Now in South Louisiana, the cool of the day is in the morning. <laughs> and when the sun starts to go down. <laughs> and so you see the cool of a day, I don't know, I'm just saying it's an appointed time. It's a place, it's a time, it's a setting. And when I think, and so this is just me, prayer is cool. I mean, think of the things we call cool. Somebody name something that's cool, please. Come on. Ice cream is cool. Well, I mean, I mean. Snowball. Listen, hair is cool when you don't have it. You know, so we call a lot of things cool, but you know what I mean? It's like prayer's not cool. Prayer is hard. Prayer is difficult. It's, it's too mysterious, and you never know, and, is it worth it? I'm, I'm just saying how I think myself. But it's talking about the cool of the day. So in prayer, we should be refreshed. It should be pleasant. It should be beautiful. It should be rewarding. It should be fun. It should be good to do. <laughs> huh? Exciting. I like that. Exciting. And I mean, we don't have to work it up, but prayer is exciting. Man, listen, when I'm, I'm, I'm seeking the Lord, drinking my Costa Rican coffee, looking at the Pacific, I'm comfortable. It's cool. I'm just seeking the Lord. Lord, how am I going to do this? Well, I know I'm not. What do I have to say? Why does he want me to come do the meeting? I'm just ranting. And then I shut up, and the Lord gives me this vision. And it basically, you know what he was saying? Let's do it together. <laughs> it works a lot better. Like, Lord, I'm not going unless you go with us. If you don't go before me, I'm not going. And so listen. Either you're going to get in the presence of God, you're going to start praying, you're going to start seeking the Lord, or you're going to be talking to a serpent. You are, you're just going to be hooked on worldly things. That's going to be it. One of the two. You will get in the face of God. You're going to begin to seek him and hear his voice. Or you're just always going to be dealing with this world system and everything that's not right. And you'll never be a solution and never bring anything to the table to help. Guilty and afraid. Where are you? I'm afraid. Why? You've been talking to a snake. 
And I'm going to tell you, if you're not hearing from God, you're hearing from the snake. I mean, you may hear a good message. You may hear a good CD. That's all good, and that's, that's fine. But you personally need to hear from the Lord. I need to hear from the Lord for this church. And I'm hearing. I'm hearing the Lord, and I'm excited that he's talking to me. Again, not that he never did, but on a more frequent basis because I'm pursuing him. You know, I used to pursue Sue before I married her. <laughs> and the more I would pursue her, the more she would look at me. The more attention I would get, the more I would pursue her. Till I did dumb things. <laughs> and when I did stupid stuff, she just didn't pursue me anymore. I didn't hear her voice. I wasn't with her. And I was miserable. And we broke up. That's right. So I had to start pursuing her again. And when I started pursuing her again, she started giving me attention. And then this relationship began to develop. Come on, somebody. So if we're talking about the infancy of prayer, the original place of prayer was in the garden. Can we all say amen to that? Amen. Original place. I think we can find some truths in here. And so if you only got two people on the planet, and this is God's design to be with those two people, what are they talking about? Ain't no children. So there ain't no problem. <laughs> ain't no politics. There ain't no Trump. There ain't no Obama. There's no terrorists. There's no sickness. There's no crisis. There's no tyrant bosses. There's not a lack of provision. What are they talking about? What are they talking about? Well, we, when we come to prayer, it's people, problems, crisis, <laughs> politics, sickness, what they did me, what they didn't give me, give me or give me, what they did, what she did. That's our prayer. But this is not the original plan. There was nothing going on. God just wanted them. So that's my approach to our prayer. Quit bringing your stuff. Come to him. Just come to him. Come to him. Come to him. Now you understand we come to him with all of our stuff. And, and he helps us. And he really does it because he wants us. But we get what we need or get what we want and we turn and we walk away. And he's so merciful and he's so good. But he knows you're going to fall into another crisis. And he would rather meet with us before the crisis than after the crisis. Because without him, we create some crisis. We create some drama. And we always come, in him on, come into him on the back end. Whereas we would, if we would go to him before, he'd give us insight. He'd give us understanding. He'd give us vision. 
He'd give us a prescription. He'd give us a description. He'd give us a no. He'd give us a yes. He'd direct us. He'd guide us. You understand? But no. We want to try it first. And we try 10 things. None of them work. We go to God. He, and then we got to repent. Because <laughs> we told everybody we heard from God. We didn't hear from God. And then we got to get our hearts right again. Then we start over. Are y'all here? Yes. And so let's just come to the Lord with no business. Just come to him. Don't even bring me before him. Yeah, Pastor said. <laughs> Don't bring your kids. Don't bring your problem. Just come to the Lord. And you will find if you start communicating with him, he'll help you with your problems. Because when you got him and he's talking to you and you're in the power of his presence, nothing matters anymore. This is God Almighty that we're with and we're talking to. And so now everything's just a chicken wing. It ain't a whole lot to it when you're in the face of God. And you go look through the whole Bible, that's how it is. Man, once, once God came on a prophet, came on a king, came on a priest and began to speak, it was over. Their confidence level is like soaring. They feel invincible. They, you know, they're, they're encouraged and full of courage and then they just step out in faith. Isn't this good? I'm going to read some verses. Tell your neighbor we're going somewhere. Listen, quit worrying about your problem. Get in the face of God. You're spending way too much time with your problem and what you don't have. Way too much time. And when you worry, you're not praying. When you're in fear, you're not praying. You're not going to seek the Lord. So just put it all aside. Begin to seek the Lord. I don't care what your deficit is. When God starts to speak to you, you have no deficit. I mean, when he starts talking and you start hearing from the Lord, come on, somebody. I'm telling you, I am so excited about Costa Rica. We are going to start a church there before the end of the year. That's where it came to. It came to, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, then this happens, that happens, this goes wrong, that goes wrong, to the point we're going to start a church before the end of the year. That's what it looks like just because God started to speak. And when God started to speak, then he began to connect the dots and connect the people and open the door. I love the scripture that Brother uh, Clayton talked to me about weeks ago that Paul was in Ephesus and he tarried in Ephesus until the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost had already come. You understand, this is a religious feast, but it just spoke to me that he tarried in a place until the Holy Spirit, type of the Holy Spirit, would speak because there was a great effective door that was open. Now, Costa Rica was open in my heart to me, and it was an effective door. This is going to be big, but the opposition, the adversary, the problems, the how do we do this all began to flood my heart. And wherever there's an open door, wherever God opens a door, of course, the enemy is going to try to stick his foot in it. The opposition is going to try to 
quench the opportunity that was given to you by God because God wants to do something. And so there is something we have to contend with. We have to fight the good fight of faith. We have to persist. Are y'all here? So let's look at Jesus in prayer. And this is John 11, verse 26. I'm going to read about 12 verses. I want you to stick with me. This is going to help you. I pray I'm bringing people to the Lord and away from your problem. I'm bringing you to the Lord in prayer. Now, I am no longer in the world. This is Jesus speaking. But these, he's talking about his disciples, talking about us, are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you've given me, that they may be one as we are. Just remember that. The heart of the Father and the heart of Jesus was for us to be one with them. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept. And none of them is lost except the son of perdition. That's Judas. I'm John 11. I'm John 11. Um, I'm starting in what verse? John 17. John 17, 11. I'm sorry. Shaka basikadadabadanda. The devil's a liar. The devil's defeated. He has no power here to disrupt anything. In the name of Jesus. John 17, 11. I'm sorry. But anyway, Jesus is talking about being one, us being one uh, with him. Verse 12, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept. And none of them is lost except the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Oh, what a good promise, huh? I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them, you and I, into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Wow, that's a good promise too, that he sanctified us, he sent us, but he's not only praying for us that are sent, but he's praying for those that we're sent to that's going to get born again. It's a good promise right there. That the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. So there it is again. Jesus wants us to be one with him and one with the Father. And then he says in verse 23, I in them and you in me, and they may be made perfect in one. There it is again. That the world may know that you have sent me. 
and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you gave me, may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me. For you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. And these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name and will declare it, that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. So over and over in the life of Jesus, he's praying for us. I mean, he's always made intercession. He's making intercession for us. But he's been praying for us. And so the Lord just really showed me that Jesus is all about being one. That was his whole life with the Father. It wasn't his trials. It wasn't about his betrayals. It wasn't about him not getting his way. It wasn't about uh, rejection. It wasn't about pain. It wasn't about people not believing him. All he ever struggled and focused on was just to be one with the Father. Just, it don't matter what else is going, I just have to be one with the Father. Come on, somebody. He knew if he could just keep the oneness with the Father, everything would go right. In the end, so everything looked bad. I mean, come on. The cross, betrayal, never did anything wrong, did it all right, imperfection, fulfilled the law, and then everybody that he came to love rejected him. Come on. But that didn't bother him. It didn't get him off course because his whole concept and his one principle was, Father, we got to stay one. What you doing? Just show me. I'm not going to do anything unless I see you do it. I'm not going to say anything unless I hear you say it. We're just going to stay one. I don't care how hard the wind blows. I don't care how it hurts. I don't care who leaves or who rejects yes. me. I'm just, we, we're going to stay one. We're going to get this thing done. Yes. And he's praying that we would be one with them like that. That's how it works. I'm sorry. That's how it works. And we are so far off. We are so far off. This is where we need to be. we like way over here. Because everything we do in prayer has to do with provision, protection, my problem, my crisis. And you understand that is a part of prayer, and we're going to talk about that. But the prayer I'm talking about this morning is to be one with the Father. Find out what he's doing or you'll perish. Hear from the Lord. Are you aimlessly going through life? The priority of prayer, you can write this down, is to be one with the Lord. It's not about getting things. That, that depletes, that empties the whole church right there. Everybody's out. <laughs> the very motivation of prayer is not to get anything. It's to be one with the Father. That's the whole purpose of prayer. 
If you go any, any further from that, if you leave that platform, if you leave that foundation, it's just not good. Then it becomes all about us. Is anybody here? So I want prayer in everything. I want more prayer in my life. We need more prayer in church. We need prayer in schools. We need prayer in our very nature and our daily walk. We need prayer in our business. We need prayer in our own households. We need more prayer with our children. Tell your neighbor, turn it up. I mean, we should be grabbing our kids saying, let's just seek the Lord. You know, we've even taught our kids that God is Santa Claus. He's going to give you something. Yeah, he wants to give you himself. That's what he wants to give us, all of himself. We need to hear his voice. And people are saying they're hearing the voice of God, and they're not. And if you're not hearing the voice of, the God, of God, you're hearing the snake of this world. The system of this world is talking. And this world talks loud. And this world wants us to be in its image. But the voice of God will have you in the image of Jesus Christ. And the image of Jesus Christ, first and foremost, is to become one with the Father. That's how he accomplished everything. He is the will of God, and he's praying, and he's going to be baptized. And this baptism is a surrender. This baptism is a submission. This baptism is totally in. Father, it's going to be you and I. It's going to be a sanctified walk. Father, it's going to be unity and oneness between me and you. I'm surrendering my life. I'm submitting all that I am to you. That's what that baptism was. Him first. Father, you first. Father first. Father first. Father first. That was his whole concept. He knew he wouldn't be able to function and fulfill the destiny that the Father had without him being one with the Father. Y'all quiet. This is good. Hebrews 5, 7. I'm going to read this in three different translations just so we get it. Hebrews 5, verse 7. The first one is the New King James Version. Who in the days of his flesh, talking about Jesus, the Son of Man, he's a human. He's all God, all human, kind of like us. We're all God, all human. We're God people. We're God beings, God human beings. When he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Now he's going to the cross. And you understand the struggle right here is his problem. The struggle right here is the natural. You understand, just like us, in the, in the flesh, he's struggling. Though he was a son, I mean, he was the will of God. Though he was the will of God or the son, Yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. So he had to practice what he heard. 
he had to put into effect and motion what he saw the Father do. And, ha and listen, because he did that, having been perfected. See, this all came through prayer. There's a trial, there's things going on, but he comes to the Father. And he's trying to put all of this pain, torment aside to be one with the Father. So it's like a fight right here. And the Bible says, having been perfected, in other words, he's doing it right, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obeyed him. Now let's read it again in the uh, New Living Translation. While Jesus was here on earth in the flesh, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears. Y'all see the struggle right here. But he knows he's got to be one with the Father. Listen, when you're in this type of situation, you ain't thinking right. It's a good chance you're not thinking right. It's a good chance you're thinking about yourself. How can I get out of this? But, but he's in this fight. He is praying. He is seeking the Father to be one with the Father in what he needs to do. And so he's pleading with a loud cry and tear to the one who could rescue him from death. Now you understand because he's, he's praying, he's seeking the Father, and God heard his. Next verse. Heard his prayers. Because of his deep reverence for God. Even though Jesus was the Son of God, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. So it's not a waste what he's going through. Something's being produced inside of him. The Bible says Jesus is learning something. How to stay on course. How to stay one with the Father. Because this is most important. He can't function without this. It's over. We're not here if he doesn't do it. We're out the picture. Humanity's gone. So he knew he had to stay one with the Father. So he learned obedience from the things he suffered. In this way, he qualified him. So there it is again. In this struggle of trying to be one with the Father and being one with the Father, something's being made in him. He's learning something. He's becoming something. When you hear the word become, that means you were not something before. Something new is happening. And so let's look at the last translation, which is the Amplified Classic, and it says something in here that is very, very powerful. In the days of his flesh, he's walking on earth, Jesus offered up definite, special petitions for that which he not only wanted, but needed. And supplications with strong crying and tears to him who was always able to save him out from death and he was heard because of his reverence towards God his godly fear his piety what, what was the fear of God in Jesus we, we, we throw that word around what, what is the fear of God this is what the fear of God this is what was on Jesus I cannot live 
without being one with the Father. He feared not being one with the Father. And listen what it says. This is amazing. His godly fear, his piety, in that he shrank from the horrors of separation from the bright presence of the Father. He knew he had to be in the presence of the Father or he would separate himself from the Father and he would live in the horrors of this life. Listen to me. He didn't want that. And that's what we live in. People on drugs, they're not hearing from God. They're living in the horrors of separation from the Father. People that don't know what God is doing and not hearing his voice, they're living in the horrors of the separation from the will of the Father. They're not hearing. Confused, you're living in the horrors. You don't have an identity. You're living in the horrors of the separation from the Father. Your marriage not right. You're not looking at yourself. You feel unworthy. You're living in the separation from the Father. You're not one with the Father. So you're left to yourself. It's horrible. It's tormenting. It's full of fear. We make wrong decisions out of all of that. And Jesus knew if he stepped or if he didn't shrink away, he knew he, he could not separate from the Father. He knew if he separated from the Father, he'd be just like a mere mortal human. Anxiety, fear, struggle, anger, frustration, hate. I don't know what's going on. Confusion, strife, envy. What about me? Entitlement. He knew if he didn't stay one with the Father, he'd fall into everything that humanity was in and he would not help humanity. Somebody got to be getting this. And if Jesus fought to stay in that relationship with the Father, how much more should we? I'm telling you, we're off. We are all off. I think if we rated our prayer life and our uh, fellowship with the Father, most of us, plenty of us would say eight. And God would say, you're not even on the chart. I never knew you. I'm not even going to that scripture because I think I've been in that place. I don't even know you. You're not, I mean, we're not together. You're talking like we talk, but we're not talking. You're saying what I'm saying, but you don't know me. You quote my, the word, but you don't know me. You're not one with me. You're doing your own thing. You got all of these things you want to do and you just want me to get on board. And it don't work like that. This is a very sobering message. And the whole point is prayer is so simple. And without our connection with the Father, in the name of Jesus, via the Holy Spirit, we perish. We die. Now, he does speak through his written word. He speaks through the ministry gifts. Yeah, I got that. But we need to hear him. We need to personally be hearing him. Can I go just a half more? The Bible says his godly fear, his piety, 
in, the, in that he shrank from the horrors of separation, he did not want to separate from the bright presence of his father. Although he was the son, he learned active special obedience through what he suffered. And his completed experience making him perfectly equipped, he became the author and source of eternal salvation. So this, this is the crux of what I'm saying. If we could, what we going through, who go through stuff? I mean, you know, I can say, well, I go through stuff. I'm a pastor and everybody beats their chest that their, their problem is the biggest on the planet because it's yours. And I get that. But this is what we need to do. If, if your problem is so big, listen, just start coming to the Lord just by yourself. But if your problem is so big in your mind, the intensity of your prayer should match the intensity of your problem. And if it don't, you're out. If you're not going to press, if you're not going to fight the good fight, if you're not going to step up and turn up and man up and get in the faith of the Father, you're just not going to make it. You're not going to make it. You have to get with the Father. And so when I read this verse, verse 9, and his completed experience making him. So it was something about wanting to be one, staying one, but dealing with all this stuff going on, it made him something. It, it made him. And I'm telling you, it's the same way with us. I watch people in this church that love God, but yet life just hits them, sucker punch. And all of a sudden, they just, they dig in. They're hurting. They're tormented. They're grieving. It's, it's, it's bad, but they start praying, God, I know who you are. Not my will, but your will be done. And all of a sudden, they just start praying. And just start praying, get in the face of God. And then all of a sudden, something happens, and something is created in that person. Because they gave all of who they were to the Father. And I'm not going to escape my oneness from you. They can leave me. They can betray me. But I'm one with you. Show me, Father. Show me, Father. This is powerful. Prayer trials and oneness with the Father. Jesus, the trials of Jesus, the tribulation and his oneness with the Father made him something. He made him the author and the finisher of our faith. It made him that. He was always that, but he had to walk it out. And we had to see it done in a human form. And he became that because he took what was going on and he brought it to the throne room. But he kept his eyes on the Father. He wanted to be one with the Father. And the Father used all of that to make him poor us powerful. Jesus just wanted to be one with the Father. Where's Miss Terry? She's in, oh, right here. I was talking to her yesterday. Uh, Dustin got married. I think, yeah, got married. And, uh, yeah, yeah, over there you go. Joe, let up a little bit. 
How's Dustin doing? Good. Anyway, and her 17-year-old, she was telling me, you know, you know, you get 17, 18 years old, time to just, you know, mama don't get a whole lot of attention. And so she was telling me how that feels. Anybody knows how that feels when your kids just, they're coming out the nest, they're just leaving. And it's just, it's not easy. It's just not easy. And you've got to work through that. But you know, when my girls left, or Joseph, he just left. But when my girls left, you know, I'm like, y'all got to move so far away? Daddy, we're only moving to Port Allen. I mean, it's only 10 miles. But this separation, I had to deal with it. It was very, very, any kind of separation from love relationships. You just have to, it's hard. And Jesus decided, Father, our love relationship, we're going to keep it. Now, I had to adjust things, but I still have a love relationship with my kids. But Jesus never bowed to anything else. He kept that relationship because it was most important to him. <clears throat> I'm going to read this. Listen to this. Allow your prayer intensity to match your trials and troubles. But come to God alone first. Because once he starts talking to you, a lot of this is just going to melt away. A lot of it's just anxiety and fear, selfishness, flesh. But when you get in the face of the Father, a lot of that just melts away. Now listen to this. When you don't pray. Now when I say prayer, I mean fellowship. I mean communion. I mean walking in the cool of the day. I'm talking about daily talking and seeking and hearing from the Lord. That's what I'm talking about. When you don't pray, you're not one with the Father. So you will experience and face the horrors of not being one with the Father. No way out. When Jesus paid, I got that. <laughs> yeah, he paid for everything. I, we're free. We're the will of God. We're born again. I got that, but we got to walk this thing out. And listen, we're doing it in America. It, it's a lot easier here, believe it or not. You go to the third world countries, there, there's a little, it's not as developed. It's not as convenient. It's not as comfortable. But I'm, I'm wondering, what's going wrong in this nation? What's going wrong with the church? We have everything. We have the best of the best. We have the most of the most. Revelation, it's come to America. But it ain't working. And yet you go to Cambodia, you go to Costa Rica, and they'll walk eight miles to the church. And you don't have to follow up on them. You don't have to go to a growth church seminar. Church growth seminar. And all those things are, is how do you deal with people's culture? You know, how do we reach this person because they in this culture? 
Well, David Hogan talked about reaching Hindus. Nobody said anything about their culture. Just preach the gospel. The Muslim, just preach the gospel. The Buddhist, just preach the gospel. But yet we come to America, we got to relate. We got to get, we got to get in their head and we got to get in their culture. What you like so I can like you. What you like so I can talk. We, no, that's, that ain't the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ. It runs through any barrier, any religion. Any limitation, there's no stopping the gospel. Culture won't stop. We're not trying to change culture. I'm not trying to change culture. I'm just wanting to preach the gospel. Let, let, let the gospel deal with all of that. You know, when you get saved, your life should show it. Your activities should show it. When you get saved, you should be proof that you turn from your sin. And you're not interested in that old stuff. It's, you're not living this compromising life. You're not wondering, well, they're doing it, so I'm going to do it too. That's, that's not it. You understand? You're born again. You're talking to the Father via the Holy Ghost. I mean, via, yeah, in the name of Jesus, via the Holy Spirit. You have the nature of Jesus in you and I. The life of God lives in us. And so all of a sudden, we give him control. And he rules over our flesh. The Bible says there is no temptation that has overtaken man that's not common to man. And then it says, God is faithful. God is faithful right there in the compromise. You ain't got to compromise. God is faithful right there in the temptation. Well, I couldn't help myself. God is faithful right there. He'll give you a place of escape. It's time we quit doing things wrong because there was no other way to do it. <laughs> you didn't ask me. I'm telling you, the Father, listen, Jesus could have done wrong. There was no way out of this. This is hectic. I'm talking about nails in your hands, nails in your feet, crown in your head, crown on your head. You butchered. They plow your back. They spit on you. They call you you're a, a demon. If anybody had the right to do wrong, he had the right at that point to do wrong. Well, they did it to me, I'm going to do it to them. Well, you, we thank God he didn't. <laughs> so he did right in the midst of everybody doing wrong. Come on, y'all got to get this. Are we going to go before the Father now? Everything is going in prayer. That's we're going to talk about it for a month. You're going to get, I hope you just get so elated me talking about prayer. And I may walk up to some of you guys and say, hey, you praying? Pastor, I need counseling. <laughs> Did you pray? Because I ain't talking to you. I'm just telling you straight up. If you don't go to the Father, if you don't pray, I mean, you understand it's going to be marathon counseling and we're not going nowhere. What you laughing at? it's not going to work the Bible says if you're afflicted go afflict somebody no it don't say that the Bible says if you're afflicted call Pastor Clayton that ain't what it says either if you're afflicted put some praise and worship music on that ain't what it says either 
If you're afflicted, call your pastor. They don't say that either. It said, if you're afflicted, pray. If you're suffering, pray. Call me later and tell me the victory you got in your prayer. That's the way the church works. I mean, I understand, I understand we're a hospital. I understand that we're encouragers. I understand that people are at different levels, but you understand the privilege we have is to know the Father through the name of Jesus via the Holy Spirit. This is, I mean, game on. Somebody say game on. I'm in. I mean, I, I, when, when I started hearing myself saying this, I felt like a wimp. I felt like you lily-livered, poor, selfish, no good, unworthy creep. Can't do nothing. You always want somebody to do it for you. Entitlement. I'm going to the Father. And you might say, well, I never saw the Father. Jesus said, if you saw me, you saw the Father. You understand? So we got it. It is, it is right here for us. Right here. I serve the God of the miraculous. The God I serve heals. The God I serve talks to me. The God I serve loves me. The God I speak. I serve, he shows me himself. He speaks to me. He walks with me. Tell your neighbor you need time in the garden. Quit talking to the devil. I pray God comes along in the next few days. He just grabs you. He's the solution. He's everything. That's what I pray. Imagine everybody's hearing from God. People are saying they're hearing from God. But they, I mean, I'm like, what? God said, what? I'm like, You know, when I get around people of God, men of God, I shut up. You know why? Because I'm fully capable of saying something stupid. And then they, they love me enough, they'll correct me. So I don't say anything. I'm just like listening. My ears appeal, and I'm just listening. Because if I talk to too many words, I'll say something stupid. And then they correct me. I said, that was stupid. <laughs> and we will do it constantly. And we even get real good at making excuses for what we said. And I mean pushing it to the limits to make it right. And we know it's not right. Because God forbid we mess up. So that's why I'm saying if we bring it all to the Father first, it needs to be Father-filtered. Everything father filtered. Everything father filtered. You know, in this church, you start complaining about somebody in this church. If the person you're talking to loves you, they should tell you 
shut your mouth. You bring that to the Father. You bring your hurt to the Father. You bring that grievance to the Father. Let him, let him talk to you about that. He's going to talk in a way like a daddy. He's going to chasten you. Oh, you mean if we pray, we might get chastened? You mean if we get with the Father, we might not be right about everything? <laughs> We're talking about Almighty God. No, you're not going to be right about a bunch of things. That's why you go before him and you shut up. Don't say nothing. It's going to be stupid. I mean, you have fig leaves you like. And, I mean, can you imagine God like, what are you doing? What, where did you get that from? Well, that's probably the tree he ate from. <laughs> he ate the fruit, so I might as well take the leaf. <laughs> Did y'all get anything out of this? I mean, really, this is real simple, but let's just bring it to the throne room. I any problem you have, I mean, if you got a problem with me, bring it to God before you bring it to me. You know, let's, let's unload our guns, okay? Come, come on, unload your guns, stick them back in the holster, because a lot of y'all walk around like this. <laughs> I, I know church people <laughs> just waiting to get hurt waiting for somebody to do something and you're just going to blow their heads off. <laughs> huh? Scared. You know, the church, a bunch of scaredy cats. The church, a lot of members, just a bunch of scaredy cats because they don't know God. Now, God saved us, but we don't know the one that saved us. Y'all know I believe once saved, always saved if you stay saved. And I also believe this. Once filled, not always feel. You got to get filled again. Some of y'all catch that tomorrow. You can leak out. You can get disgruntled. Some of y'all barrels are still hot. <laughs> you got like machine guns. Come on, we got we to gotta let up on people. What's that? Tommy guns. Just, you know, unload it. Those weapons for the devil only, not people. You have no enemies. I have no enemies. Of course, I have people I disagree with and people are doing wrong things, but the enemy is the devil behind them. And so I don't hate anybody. I hate things people do. I hate the sin. I hate how it hurts people. But there's not a hate in my heart for anybody. And we've all been taught to hate people. Our government, schools, prejudice, racism, it's all been taught. We learn that. And it's no part of the Father, not at all. He loves those Hindus as much as he loves or probably more than an American. I'm just kidding. You understand? He loves them. We call them our enemies. We can't touch them. Whoever you call your enemy, that's who God wants to reach. The one that's hardest on your life, that's the one he came to save. 
and he wants to use you, but you see him as an enemy. So they're no longer a candidate for salvation. So if you were, so what, I don't know how you say this, but if you were predestined to tell that person something to get them saved, they're gone. Hell bound. Because we've made that judgment. I think I'll stop right there. Who's going to the Father? Who's going to the throne? The Bible says, come <clears throat> to the throne of God with boldness and great plainness of speech. Here I am, Father. I'm your child. I'm yours. It's your way and it's your will. I do have my opinions. <laughs> I do know something, but you are almighty God. So I lay down everything I know. Father, I am so limited in myself. I will self-destruct without you. I want to hear your voice and not the voice of this world. You're going to hear one. This is what we're doing in this church. I'm looking for 300 soldiers. And I hope to have 150 by mid-year next year. And the way we're going to start you're going you're gonna to be a prayer warrior. I don't know if there's a better term for it. It just sounds cool. I really don't like it. I just, how about a lover of God, a worshiper of God, one that just reverence the Father, and he's first and foremost, and you follow the filter, everything. I need at least 100 people by the middle of next year. 150. And it's all going to start right here. And I'm going to tell you, if we get this right, everything flows out of us. If we get this right, everything's it's a cinch after this. Witnessing, sharing your faith, and you in the face of the Father, in the Holy Ghost, you're going to have confidence. To witness is just going to be like everyday talk. It's just going to flow out of you. And then to help us build this church and pastor people, it's just going to come out of you. And then to be equipped and trained to do some mighty exploits for God, it's just going to happen because it's all going to come out of you, just confidence in God, Him speaking to you about specific things in your life. So this is where we're going to start, and we're starting today. And you know what? Count the costs before you say yes to me. I don't need anybody to even agree because I know I am on a course that God has set me on and I know what God's going to do. So I don't even have to have a response to this but I know there will be one. And so this is where we're going to start. And, and you need to you need, I'm going to baptize you in this. You need to totally surrender yourself, submit yourself to begin to go before the Father, to hear from Him on behalf of your life, your children's life, and the call that God has on your life. And so before anybody commits to this, I want you to think about it. Count the cost. Because it's going to take time. It's going to take energy. Prayer is not work, but it's going to be work. You won't sweat. I believe with all of my heart. Jesus said, take on my yoke, for my yoke is easy. I think that's being one with him. Because if you're not one with him, you yoke with the world. 
And that's why the anointing comes. The Spirit of God comes to break the yoke of the world off of us. So that's why Jesus says, come to me. I'm humble in heart. I want to teach you. I want to give you rest for your souls. My, my burden, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. So take my burden. Take my yoke. What is it? Oneness. That's it. The enemy comes to destroy, to separate, to divide. Jesus' yoke is just to be one, sanctified with him. So this is the deal. And I promise you if, you, if you get on this track and you begin to pursue the Lord, the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then the Bible, his way of doing things. If you don't know what God is doing, you're not going to do it right. His way of doing things. Then you have a vision. And then the Bible says, he'll add to you because you're going to do according to his way. He can add to that. If he adds to what we do, it's all wasted. And he's a loving God and a merciful God. I don't know why he does it. I wouldn't. Aren't you glad I'm not God? But he does. He's so merciful. So this is what we're starting out with. Prayer warriors. This is going to be the beginning. This is enlistment. This is where you engage. You're saying, I'm going to pray for this church. I'm going to pray for my family. I'm going to pray for whatever God puts on my heart. If you're on Facebook more than you're going to be praying, it's a problem. Don't you fool with my culture. You got to be on Facebook. Man, my daughter's not on Facebook. And she's on Facebook more than anybody. I'll say it again. She's not on Facebook. But her picture and her talk is all over Facebook because they love my daughter. Your life ain't Facebook. Your life is in the face of the Father. And so this is it. That's, gonna, that's the determining. Who would be honest enough to say how much you, time you spend on Facebook? Pleasure. Not, not business. Pleasure. How much? Good for you. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying don't be. I think we should be. <clears throat> yeah. Well, you hold me. <laughs> but who's, who's going to be honest and say I'm on Facebook way too much? And it's not that you can't be on Facebook, but it tells out on us. It's just, it's just a blemish. And I'm not getting religious. I tell you, call me a cheat, call me a thief, call me an adulterer, call me a fornicator, call me the devil, but don't call me religious. Just don't call me Just don't call me religious. <laughs> call me anything but religious. I hate religion. And I don't mean that I hate people. But saying something and not becoming it is religion. 
And he's given us the tools and the power and his spirit and his word that we could be like him. And so I'm challenging us this morning. And I'm not going around with a ticker. How many hours you, how many hours you pray? How many hours you pray? <laughs> but we are going to have prayer from six in the morning.